What's up? Welcome to another episode of Demo Listen. I'm Gray, joined as always by my co-host Nathan. Uh, this is a podcast with a simple premise. We listen to punk, hardcore, and punk and hardcore adjacent music. It's typically music that listeners send in to us, um, and it's typically music that we haven't heard before. Uh, sometimes it's a band we haven't heard before, sometimes it's just a release from a band that we're familiar with. Either way, when we listen to the stuff on here, it's our honest, initial, knee-jerk, immediate reaction. So everything that you're getting is uh, unfiltered in, in the moment. It's also not a critique or a review show in the traditional sense uh, because we're not making any sort of objective value judgments, not ascribing any sort of meaning to our opinions. We're just reacting to punk and hardcore music because we're grown men who still really like it. So the format is as follows. We will put 10 bands in the queue every week. Then we roll uh, D10 and uh, listen to the bands that come up. We usually get between through between like five and six bands per episode. Um, sometimes we'll listen to a song, sometimes two songs. And uh, yeah, that's about it. There's not much more to it than that. Um, so typically speaking, we'll go ahead and list off all of the bands that are in the queue this week. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to do something a little bit different this week up top um, that I had talked to Nathan about before we started recording, which is because all of the stuff that we get sent in to us is submitted by bands or friends of the band, we don't ever really get to talk about music on this show that we listen to outside of the context of the show. And Nate and I both consume a massive amount of new music outside of this podcast. And there's a lot of new shit coming out that we like, but we don't really get the opportunity to talk about it on here. And I mean, the entire premise of the podcast is to put people onto new shit, even if it's stuff that we don't like. Um, but I thought it would be cool to just be, you know, take a second to talk about records that we've been listening to the last couple weeks or so. So my endorsements for this week, uh, first of all, are the new Restraining Order LP, which uh, just came out on Triple B a couple days ago. It's pretty much, in my opinion, a perfect hardcore record. It's 12 songs in 15 minutes. It's fucking, it's fast. It's anthemic. The songs are well-crafted. They're fucking awesome. You really can't go wrong with it. It's an LP that, like, as soon as you get done listening to it, you can just put it right back on, which is the beauty of a 15-minute long LP. Um, I think all hardcore bands should take note of that because there are very few hardcore bands that even need to put out an LP, but if you get there, you really don't need to put one out that's longer than 15 or 20 minutes. Mm. I mean, nope. there's not that much more to say. No. With the form, you know? No. Your, your, your hardcore LP mm-hmm. should be no longer than your set. Right, exactly. And your set should be no longer than 20, 25 minutes tops. Tops. 20 minutes tops. Right. Um, the other thing that I've been listening to this, to this week is the Armor 7-inch, uh, Some Kind of War. It is, I think they're from Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome DB-informed hardcore, which is um, a thing that's experiencing a bit of a renaissance right now. Um, and... This is one of the better bands doing it. They just did an East Coast tour with Protocol, which if you've listened to the podcast before, you know is probably one of the, our favorite bands that we've discovered via the podcast this year is Protocol. Um, they play similar stuff. It's just incredibly executed, raw, fast, hardcore punk in, uh, in the traditional sense of the, of the term. Yeah, and that they're on the same, I mean, the same label that put that 7-inch out, mm-hmm. um, 11 p.m., um, is, you know, they put that protocol stuff out mm-hmm. and 
by and large, they don't have a huge discography, but what they have is fucking good. They got that Gasm LP. Right, so good. Which is fucking good. Heavy vibe music. Mm-hmm. Um, Adderall. That yep. fucking Adderall versus Big Pharma 7-inch is one of the things I was going to mention. Yeah. That's a really good 7-inch. Yep. So, like, in general, that it's, it's, it's a younger, sort of smaller label, but they put out some pretty solid stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those those would be my my recs for the week. Um, what do you got? Uh, so I buy a lot of new records. You do indeed. Um, and I'm not basically you know this isn't necessarily anything that I just like got in, but this is what was on my turntable this week. Right. Um, so I listen to it pretty frequently, but the uh, Condor Collection mm-hmm. LP, the singles 2017 to 2018. Mm-hmm. These aren't new songs per se, but the release came out this summer. Right. Um, is really dope. Yeah. Uh, Condor, French Oi. It's uh, basically the same like key dude that is in Rixie. Oh yeah, I think I think that's pronounced. I think it's like a Riche or something. Riche? I don't. I know. don't know how. I'm I not don't French. Know, yeah, I don't know how, how the. You know fuck how it's spelled? R I X E. Yeah. I you know no how idea. I say it? Rixie. Rixie. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's fine. If you're French and you know how to say it, call me an asshole. But uh, spell it right then, maybe. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, yeah, that Condor LP is really fucking good. Yeah. Um, the first track in the B-side, Cancun Porsois, mm-hmm. is super dope. Yeah. Um, listening to the uh, Fetish LP World Eater, mm-hmm. that's really good. Um, Fetish is members of Poison Idea and um, Long Knife. Right. Um, it only makes sense, given what Long Knife sounds like, that they would team up with, you know, the Hippie Slayer and... Um, you know, members of uh, Poison Idea, and they put out an album that sounds like basically a really fucking rock and roll Poison Idea. Yeah, it's really good. I'm into that. I, I think I heard their first the first thing they released when they put it out on Bandcamp. I want to say like last year. Yeah, like the, maybe that the first seven single. Inch. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I really liked what I heard. Yeah, the the seven inch is really good um, on Beach Impediment, but yeah. uh, the the L, this LP is dope. Um, and then the last thing, since I already mentioned Adderall, uh-huh. um, Chain Whip, the Chain Whip LP. Chain Whip is a hardcore punk rock band from Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like, we talked about FUs right. before. If you like Out Cold, if you like FUs, if you like rock-influenced hardcore that's fast and super aggressive, mm-hmm. this is right up your fucking alley. That Chain yeah. Whip stuff is awesome. It's really good, for sure. Well, hell yeah. I think uh, I think this is a, a segment we'll do every week. Because, like I said, I think it just—it's nice to have an opportunity to talk about stuff that we've been into outside the context of the podcast. Because, yeah, Nate uh, is not lying when he says he buys a fucking lot of new records, and uh, I would do the same if I had the uh, expendable income. And I'm sure as soon as I start making a little bit more money again, I'll probably start buying an unhealthy amount of records again. So, on that note, we're going to go ahead and uh, go through what we have in the queue this week. So, first up, we have a band called Big Hits. The release is actually not out yet. It is. This was sent to me uh, by Didi, who plays in the band uh, Pleather, who we big upped on one of our prior episodes. Uh, really, really cool stuff from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, which has, surprisingly, a very poppin' scene right now. I've not listened to this stuff. Didi just sent it over and was like, hey, this isn't out yet, but uh, if it pops up in the queue, feel free to play it, check it out. So, And I don't know anything about it. Um, it other than it's written and performed by somebody who plays in another really good fucking band. So then, so Nate, this is a, a, a question I have for you. So I threw this in the queue tentatively. Okay. 
So the premise of the show is we listen to punk, hardcore, and punk and hardcore adjacent music. And that's a broad, that covers a broad swath of stuff. Sure does. Everything from emo to indie rock, etc. So this submission is by somebody who got into the podcast, uh, I think saw it after maybe Facebook friend requesting me or something. Okay. And he's a rapper. Okay. Named Gatson. Now, my question is this. Is rap punk and hardcore adjacent? I would argue that it is in the sense that there is a lot of crossover and fandom between the two. But I, I would also do, do a, a large disservice to the black community who like birthed hip-hop in the 70s to say this, that hip-hop, to reduce hip-hop to being punk and hardcore adjacent. No, yeah. I think it depends on the intent mm-hmm. and the tone of the music. Right, for sure. I mean, is uh, now, now, now you, you know way more about rap than I do. Mm-hmm. I like what I like. But I don't generally explore it that much. If you mention something, I'll check it out. Right. Um, but I just don't have the fucking brain power to delve deep. And right. quite frankly, I find a lot of it stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's hardcore is stupid, too. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Quite. But, like, I think somewhere along the line, you and I have talked that, like, it feels like people forgot that, like, a lot of rap started out as a joke in the past, like, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they start taking it seriously. Right. You know what I mean? Well, there's well in the sense that there's like not the same level of self-awareness. There's not the same there's a lot of like self-aware humor in in certain strains of rap that I really enjoy right. and there's less of that now. Sure. Right. And, yeah. and and you know, like I'm really not up to, up to speed, up to snuff on a lot of like new rap. Mm-hmm. Um I uh I don't like the way a lot of it is produced. Mm-hmm. Um but to get back to my point I think it can be adjacent, right? Um, in its tone and intent, sure. I think that the 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 impetus for the the origins of it kind of have a similar intent, sure, but definitely a different a different origin story, right? Very much so. But there's always been a lot of overlap between you know hardcore and and punk and rap. Yeah, Beastie Boys number one, of course. Right. Right. Uh, bring the noise. Mm-hmm. Possibly the best fucking rap heavy metal song ever made. I think no, that's... not possibly. It is. It is. It is. It is. Well, but also like the Judgment Night soundtrack. Yeah, but man, Bring the Noise is so much better than that. But yeah, you're right. The right. Judgment Night yeah. soundtrack is good. So there's a long sort of history of that. But at the same time, that like that, you know, has also sort of like been viewed as really like shitty from both sides. Like mm-hmm. Walk This Way with Run DMC. Right. Sometimes that's that's credited with like ruining Run DMC's like cred and career right. in the '80s, right? Um, so I don't know. Is it adjacent? I don't know. It, I guess it depends. Like I said, on the tone and the intent. I think in terms of the actual scenes, they're more adjacent than ever now, um, because you have a lot of kids that maybe started off in punk rock who pivot to rap stuff because it's very easy to do by yourself. It's egalitarian, just like hardcore is. Right, exactly. Which is, even though a lot of the music that comes out of that scene, I don't necessarily love, I do appreciate that aspect of it. Right. You know what I mean? So I think as far as the actual boots on the ground, people consuming it, for better or for worse, I think that probably rap is more adjacent to punk and hardcore now than it's ever been. Um, Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, sure, in, in, in the sort of like 
nooks and crannies of it. Right. I mean, Odd Future and Trash Talk toured together. Sure. You know what I mean? Denzel Curry just covered fucking Bad Brains. You know what I mean? Right, right. So it's like sonically, there's a lot of appreciation from both sides. Right. But at the same time, what I consider like uh, Cardi B. Right. Punk. No. No. Right. Not even a little. Right. So I guess it depends. Well, we got we got some rap in the queue this week. It's okay. the only rap that we've had submitted to us. I know nothing about it, so okay. I guess we'll decide if it's a chase and when if when and if we hear it. Um, so sorry for that little digression, but it was a uh, I think it was a worthwhile question. Um, so then next up we have a band called Just Like Heaven. Um, don't know anything about this. Uh, a dude submitted a bunch of bands from the Birmingham, Alabama area. Uh, he specifically said, "Hey." Me submitting these is not necessarily an endorsement of these bands. I think some of them are subpar, but I just kind of want to hear what you guys think about them because I'm from this area and I want to put on for my local scene. Uh, with a name like Just Like Heaven, um, you got a lot to live up to because you named yeah, yourself I mean, after a cure. where you got your name from. So. Right, so you got a lot to live up to, friends. You may have uh, painted yourself into a corner with that one. Next up, we have Mouth for War. Um, this is a band that... Features a dude who is an Indiana native who moved out to Colorado. Um, again, you got a lot to live up to with the name. You named yourself after a Pantera song, so you better have riffs. And boy, oh boy, do I hope you don't sound like Pantera. And I hope you do, because I love Pantera. Um, next up, we have Bruised. This was sent to us by our good friend Jeremy Jones, um, who has impeccable taste. This is a Chicago post-punk band, according to him. Not listened to it, but Jeremy has never put me onto anything that sucks, so I imagine this probably will not. Then we have PCP and the Knives. This was submitted to us by Meyer. Uh, I mentioned him in the last episode, a homie of mine, who also sends me dope shit all the time. He sent us uh, the Touchheads, which we listened to in the mm-hmm. last episode and really enjoyed. Then we have got uh, Wraith. This is a Northwest Indiana thrash band um, submitted to me by one of the dudes who plays in the band Saren, who was featured in one of our early episodes. Uh, He said it was for fans of Foreseen, Power Trip, that kind of stuff, which I love. Then we have got Crossed Keys. This is a band that features members of Ink and Dagger. Huh. Uh, which yeah so so this was Eric Wareheim. I do I do not think it features Eric Wareheim. So for the uninitiated, Ink and Dagger was a Philadelphia punk band from the '90s, uh, specifically a vampire punk band that did briefly in in its early incarnation feature Eric Wareheim of uh, Tim and Eric fame, uh, an, another weird sort of uh, punk adjacent thing. Tim and Eric uh, did indeed start out and meet each other, I think, going to school and going to, like, punk and hardcore shows in Philly in the 90s. So, yeah, this is members of Ink and Dagger. Ink and Dagger, a pretty uh, influential band in certain pockets, a pretty unique and singular band in many respects. They were on initial records, which put out a lot of, like, stuff that fell broadly into the world of punk and hardcore, but wasn't, like, strictly hardcore in the 90s. They put out some more emo stuff, like the Jazz June, um, but they also put out, like, Slugfest and stuff. They were a pretty eclectic label. So I don't know anything about this. This was sent to me by one of the fellows who runs a podcast called Cinepunks, which I haven't actually listened to yet, but is on my to-do list. Then next up, we have Bull Cult. Um, they're a band from Illinois, I believe Springfield, I want to say. Sent to me by an internet homie and a fan of the podcast. 
haven't listened to this stuff yet, features a guy named Chris who plays in a band called Ghost Key, who I've known for a very long time. And then last up, we have Martyr's Tongue. They are from South America, I believe. Um, it was submitted to me by a friend of the band, described as, uh, as a holy terror band. I, they, they have the Process Cross as their logo on YouTube. So Martyr's I, Tongue? I, yep. And the name at least fits the description. It does. And again, for, with a, uh, for a, a little context, if you're unfamiliar, holy terror is the <clears throat> genre that was inadvertently birthed by Integrity and Dwid um, in the early 90s. Ever since then, there has been a cult-like following of copycat bands, some of which are very good, some of which spun out and kind of became their own thing. It is based off of Dwid's fictional church that is based on a real-life cult called the Process Church, and Dwid came up with a uh, group called the Holy Terror Church of the End, I believe is the entire title, and it's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, but the short story, the short version of the story is there are a bunch of bands that really wanted to sound like Integrity and use a lot of the same imagery and uh, philosophical reference points as Dwid, sure. and they identif- self-identify typically as Holy Terror bands. Sure. So yeah, this band is from, oh no, Puerto Rico, I'm sorry, they're from Puerto Rico. Uh, so yeah, that's everything that we got in the queue this week. Um, why don't you go ahead and roll a d10 and see what's up first? All right. Eight. All right. So eight is Crossed Keys with their release Saviors. This is the band we were just talking about that has members of Ink and Dagger. Um, the band camp is just crossedkeys.bandcamp.com. Um, it looks like they've been around for a while. Uh, this just came out this month, um, but it looks like they've got three releases before this. Um, this is a seven song release, uh, looks like a cassette and maybe a 12 inch too. Yeah. And these guys looking at their picture, they're old dudes. They're old tatted dads. Yep. Well groomed horn rim glasses, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of gray in the sides. Yep. Um, so we'll see what we thought. We'll, we'll, uh, now in the past, I'll say that that has been a recipe for disaster on this show. It has. Yep. But these guys have a traceable pedigree right exactly i also really like the art for this it's pretty cool saviors yeah it is pretty good yeah um so what song do we want to listen to well uh the first song i think is a uh neurosis cover times of grace you think i think they open up <laughs> no i was gonna say I'm i don't I, it's this name of a neurosis song yeah but... yeah yeah um do you want to go with the title track it's uh, the last track on the album right but it's kind of the median length of everything else on the record it's two minutes and 31 seconds long yeah Yeah, sure. Let's just go with the title track. I don't see anything wrong with that. So we're going to listen to Saviors by Crossed Keys off of the uh, release of the same name, and then we'll get back to you. Tell me 
heard the song Saviors uh, off of the release of the same name by the band Crossed Keys. Nate, you pointed out uh, a lot of similarities to uh, Sam I Am. Yeah, that sounded like lyrically and sonically it could have been off of uh, You Are Freaking Me Out, which mm-hmm. is like the fourth or fifth Sam I Am out record. Mm-hmm. I think it's the fourth, maybe the fifth, I don't know, it's one of those two. Right. That's also the last Sam I Am record that I listened to. Yeah, same. And I don't listen to the whole thing. Right. So... This is fine. Yeah. This is a little too polished for my taste. This 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 goes right down the um, same path as like, now this was not, this didn't strike me as like overproduced and polished looking for a thing. No, not at all. Right? As, you know, some previous bands have. This felt gr- very much grounded in punk and hardcore. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But this was, you know, post-hardcore, poppy sort of stuff. Right. A lot of this stuff was around in like the late 90s. Sure. It persists to this day. It's fine. I don't really listen to it that much. Right. This is like the kind of music that um, when folks start to get older, they start to play instead of the fucking raging shit they use, right. the wild shit they used to do. Because yeah. that shit's exhausting and tiresome. And uh, who knows, maybe somebody that sits at the desk next to you might uh, not look <laughs> might not look uh, favorably upon it and report you to the boss. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this is kind of a retirement plan for aging punks. Yeah. Yeah. And, but there are, there are much worse ones. No, I, like I said, I... If this came on, it's fine. Yeah. I'm not buying this. That's how I feel about it, I think. If I saw this band coupled on a bill with a band that I went to see, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I went to see Sam I Am for some fucking reason now. Right. And they were there, but like, okay, that's fine. Sure, or open it up for a veil or something. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, I give it, uh, it's it's right in the middle of the road for me. It's a fucking, it's it's a C. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, You know, not bummed about this stuff at all. Um, But as with... uh, Several of the genres that we dabble in on this show, there are certain brands of punk and hardcore where the only things that I like in that genre are the true standouts. Oh yeah, right. There are other there are other forms of punk and hardcore where I'm way more pleased with a middle of the road thing because the form is so to my taste. Yep. Like early U.S. hardcore doesn't need I don't hold it to the same rigorous standards right. because the format itself is so appealing to right. me whereas with something like this for me to actually go out of my way to listen to it and consume it it needs to be a tier sure um and yeah this is this is a C plus B minus it's perfectly well executed um it's fun but it uh it's not bringing anything new to the table in in the sense that it's not doing anything that would make me want to listen to this instead of Sam I am the one thing I'll say that lyrically, you know, is talking shit on the fucking, you know, say your prayers if that helps you feel good, but you're still a fucking moron, basically. Right. Too, right. You know I appreciate I mean? that for sure. Like, so I like it when dudes don't mellow out from that perspective and still right. keep it real as they yeah. get older. Definitely. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. But I also like it when that message is fucking thrown at me 100 miles an hour right. in the form of a brick. Very much so as well, yeah. And I think, you you know, like Dan Yemen from, or I don't know, Yemen, I don't know how the fuck you pronounce it, his last name, but Homeboy from Lifetime went on to start paying it black. Mm-hmm. A lot of the same sentiments, only the songs fucking rip. Right. <laughs> so, right. so it is possible to be an aging hardcore dude and, and still live that life. But I get it. My bones hurt too. This is a nice thing if you just want to play shows on the fucking weekends and shit still means a lot to you and you're invested in it, but you just don't have the energy to be doing front flips anymore. I get it. This is a nice nice enough retirement plan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this wasn't bad at all. Wouldn't seek it out. Like I said... I heard mid era, mid late mid to late era Sam I am. Mm-hmm. This could have been off of one of those albums. That's fine. And oddly enough, we talked about Initial Records for a minute, which was the label that Ink and Dagger was on in the '90s. This could easily have been on the '90s oh, yeah. Initial Records roster because totally. they also had bands like uh, like Elliot, uh, stuff like that, which this shares some similarities with. Um, but yeah, it was cool enough. wasn't mad at it. That's uh, the sorry if you hear some squeaking. The ghost is here. The ghost is uh, arisen. Yep, the ghost has arisen. Uh, yeah, let's roll the dice. See what's up next. Two, two is, two is the rapper. Okay, the rapper at Bandcamp.com. The rapper at Bandcamp. So he doesn't have a Bandcamp. He's got uh, his name is Gatson. He sent us a track. It's called Foundation. It's on YouTube. Okay. Um, so if you type in Gatson, G-A-T-S-O-N, Foundation, it should probably come up. Again, I know nothing about this. I think he maybe hit me on Facebook and was like, hey, can I submit this shit? And I said, yeah, sure. Why the hell not, you know? Um, so I haven't listened to it. I've done no research into it. It was sitting in our email for a few weeks. And uh, when I was going through submissions today, it popped up, and I had totally forgotten that it was in there, and I decided to throw it in the queue. So, All right. So we're going to listen to the song Foundation by Gatson, and uh, we'll come back in a few minutes. All right, y'all ready? Yeah. Uh. Allow me to talk my shit. Allow me to talk my shit. Hey. Allow me to talk my shit. Allow me to talk my shit I know they fit me, look in their eyes They tell the true story A nigga that's not afraid to stand up and be outspoken The spirit of Fred Hampton has been awoken My spirit's golden Bullets cannot kill my soul I'm coming for everything that I owe The black messiah got my powers from the most highest Silence, silence, we bout to riot, riot But fear, if he get you killed for real Check in my inventory I can't properly equip my laptop is a gold mine Drinking moonshine to the early sun No way I let these rappers outshine me Tell the labels put the money up I go so both of us Word up Ain't nobody throwing up like I vomit Pay homage to a young nigga that's paving the way For that real shit to come back in your stereo Right now y'all don't hear me though A couple years y'all gon' feel me though Cause 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 Your boy really started from the bottom Your boy really started from the bottom 
Your boy really started from the bottom. Build a foundation they can never say they made you. Hey, your boy really started from the bottom. Your boy really started from the bottom. Your boy really started from the bottom. I built a foundation they can never say they made me. I got nothing to lose. Mention me and I'ma keep busting. I can send a lot of rappers how I keep coming. Keep coming, overdosing, nigga. This my homecoming. All my homies slumming, dog. I've been locked in the stoop for months. Safe to say that I'm up to something. Fuck that shit, keep busting. Headshot, headshot, nigga, red dot, red dot, nigga, one shot, I can't miss. Just that food for thought, don't it taste better when it's whole food? If one eat, we all eat, nigga, that's worth to my son. No one left behind, this where King and Queens was on. Just that fish grease, nigga, I'm jumping out the pot. Cause all these mumble rappers now swearing that they hot. Y'all got one single, no substance. Six words probably won't last, but keep working. According to the labels, they the only ones that sell it right. Just cause we won't sell our soul, don't mean we won't glow. You heard about the roads that grew from the concrete. I'm from the jungle and obstacles, they surrounded me. See, making it out, that never sounded logical. They said it was impossible, tell them I'm possible. Your boy really started from the bottom. Your boy really started from the bottom. Your boy really started from the bottom. Build a foundation, they can never say they made you. Your boy really started from the bottom. Your boy really started from the bottom. Your boy really started from the bottom. I built a foundation, they can never say they made me. We just heard the song Foundation by Gatson, um, and that was quite good. Yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah. Disclaimer at the top of this. Mm-hmm. We talk about tourists, and we talk about basically just like casual observers. Right. I am most definitely a rap tourist. Fair enough. I like rap just like a lot of white people like rap. Yeah. Um, I probably know a little more than your average fucking schmo mm-hmm. shopping at Walmart. Right. But uh, I am not a scholar of the genre in any way. Right. So anything I have to say about this, take it for what it is, right. right? Some white guy that mostly listens to fucking heavy metal and punk rock. Right. Right? And so that's, you know. But yeah, I like this. I don't like rap that is the, the like, I don't like trap. Mm-hmm. I don't like anything like minimalist, the, the really minimalist, really repetitive sort of fucking production. And even like the raps, that, like the rhyming that is really pre- repetitive. Yeah. I don't like a lot of that shit. It's mm-hmm. it to me. It smacks of um, uh, being lazy. Um, I don't like it, but I do like it if it's got, you know, a jazzy sample and a nice fucking mellow beat mm-hmm. and strong lyrics over top of it. Right. I don't think you can go wrong with that. No, not really. It's a good formula. Um, yeah, homeboy mentions uh, Fred Hampton right up top. I always uh, I always enjoy going hard on a political reference early on. Yeah. Fred Hampton, if you're not in the know. Uh, President of the Illinois chapter of the uh, Black Panther Party back in the day, very important civil rights activist, um, very uh, loud activist for black community gun ownership, things of that nature, uh, community policing, self-policing, things like that. Um, yeah, this was cool. It was politically tinged, which I appreciate. Um, it's always nice when rap 
walks that fine line and doesn't veer into corny conscious rap stuff, mm. which is stuff that I was very into when I was younger. Um, revisiting a lot of it, it doesn't necessarily hold up that well. But when you can present uh, political sentiments in a way that doesn't feel contrived and trite and, uh, and do it disartfully, I'm totally with it. Nate, I do think I, I know more about a little bit more about rap than you. I would say you do. I am uh, very. I've been very into rap for a very long time. This is obviously pulling from early '90s East Coast stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we looked it up. Uh, Gatson is from Champaign, Illinois. Um, but yeah, production-wise, even the dude's flow, very much rooted in early to mid '90s East Coast rap stuff. Um, Nas, Big L, all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, I know a lot of my younger homies will put me in old guy jail for this, but that is my favorite type of rap. And I will posit that I do think that is the best rap got as far as just like to my sensibilities. I would agree. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I'm not going to turn this into a, uh, into an opportunity to get up and preach about the 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 downfall of modern rap because frankly there's a lot of modern rap that I enjoy and there's we, also a lot I don't and we've talked about it before I mean a lot of the stuff that you would call rap in a modern sense is about as connected to you know what we're talking about with East Coast and early rap as you know fucking Jimmy's Chicken Shack is to goddamn Leonard Skinner. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about it, and I've talked about it with some younger friends um, that are Jimmy's Chicken Shack. <laughs> what a reference! That's a reference nobody I know un- under the age of thirty-five is going to get. Right, but but so they're I, all dead. That they they might be. I I can't contend because I have no idea. They, they could aren't. all be dead. But so yeah, I've had that conversation with younger homies who are are deeply invested in rap and hip hop. In that, I think that maybe some of the more modern iterations of the genre at this point constitute a a separate but related genre in the same way that like uh reggae and dub and dance hall are right. all closely related but distinct genres sure. that exist in this general milieu um and i think it's it's kind of interesting the evolution of rap over the last 20 years because the youth that have inherited the genre seem like dead set on staking a claim to it while at the same time making music like that is incredibly sonically disparate and throwing up a middle finger to like the 30 to 40 years of history that preceded it, which to me is just interesting in the sense that like I think that youth should throw up a middle finger to things that came before them. It's an appealing part of youth. I get subverting the paradigm, doing your own thing. I think that's cool. It's just kind of interesting to me that they're doing that while at the same time being like intent on saying this is still rap why not just be like hey this is closely related to rap but right. it's our own thing right like if you want to basically eschew the history of it mm-hmm. then claim it to be something else right and it would also prevent a lot of these dumb conversations from taking place where you have joe budden on a morning show being like this shit ain't rap right if 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 you just were like, well, hey, this is closely related to rap, it's not the same thing. Because if you look at it from like a scholarly perspective and break it down as far as you're doing like, you're, if, if I were to write a thesis about this, I would identify these things as closely related but distinct genres. Um, but this, 
much like some of the other uh, contemporary 90s revival stuff like Joey Badass and his whole era, yeah, that, uh, pro, or a Collective Pro era. This is very much in the same lane, super well executed. If if you can flow and you have good lyricism and you have a good producer behind you, this is like much of the sort of traditional U.S. hardcore that we like, a formula that is really hard to fuck up. It's hard to fuck that up. And yeah. yeah, this was great. And it's appealing. Like, mm-hmm. basically, if you don't like shit that sounds like that, right? You, you don't like music, or you got some weird cultural fucking hang-up. Yeah, like a chip on your shoulder or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? You either have a cultural hang-up in the sense that there's some, like, you're white and there's some, like, weird racial undertone, or you're a young person and there's some weird age undertone where you feel like you can't like that right. because you got to carve out your own right. thing. I immediately think of, like, you know... My my parents and my, you know, like older relatives when I was a kid listening to rap. And they'd be like, oh, he's just talking and rhyming. Okay, then you fucking do it. <laughs> right, yes. Right? You right. fucking do it, Grandpa. Mm. Let's see how well you do it. Ben Shapiro, who is one of the most punchable men that has maybe ever walked to the earth. I don't urge you to look him up, but he's just a weaselly right-wing pundit who nobody on the right would even like if he weren't parroting the ideas that they want to to hear spread Uh, because he's a complete fucking i know who he is yeah he looks like the smarmy kid that did pretty good at his local high school debate contest right and then just figured he'd take that strategy onto like a national platform right to uh to put it simply he's a whole ass bitch he's a professional contrarian from like a very i guess you would say backward and stunted point of view right and he recently went on a diatribe about how rap is not music. Right. And okay, Grandpa. Right. Like, you know what? We, we talked about last time we don't advocate, like, we don't suggest you commit suicide. Mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest he does. Oh, 100%, dude. If I, I'm sure that this, this wouldn't happen, but if for any reason it, it does, Ben Shapiro, if this gets in front of you, if you hear the sound of my voice, I exercise want... Exercise your Second Amendment rights on your own fucking skull. Yes, I want you to... Go buy a gun. Actually, I believe you already own guns, which is perfect. I want you to take it. I want you to point it at your temple and discharge it into your head and kill yourself. I want nothing more than to see your brain splattered all over your wall and for your wife and children to walk in and find their disgraced father and husband. I'll want up you. Take care of them first. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. They don't. That way, they don't have to live with the misery of seeing daddy's brains on the wall. Yes, and they don't inherit your mantle of shame that you've passed. All right, we, we've really stepped off into something different. Let's get <laughs> off this and let's get back to the fucking music. All right, well, uh, Gatson, that was dope. I liked that a lot. Um, let's roll the dice to see what's up next. All right. New, this is the new system. Yes, that's right. This is the new system at work. One. All right, so one is the, uh, the stuff that we had to submitted to us that isn't actually out yet, Big Hits, um, that was sent to me by Didi, who plays in Pleather. I don't even think any of the songs have titles. It's just one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. and five. I'm not sure if this... Maybe that is the title. They could be the title. Um, I play in a black metal band, and one of our releases were just... The song titles were just the numbers, because we were 21 and pretentious. Um, so I would imagine this is a demo, I guess, since it's their first release. I, you could characterize it as a demo. Okay. Um, let's just listen to the first song off of it. Yeah. I, I see no re- we have no reason to prioritize anything else so we'll listen to the first song if it's super short maybe we'll listen to the second one too uh, but we'll uh, holler back at you in just a few minutes
right, we just heard the first two songs off of the debut release by Big Hits, uh, which features Dee Dee, who plays in the band Pleather as well. And uh, that was real cool stuff. I liked that. Yeah, I like that too. You know, I was thinking while we were listening to that, especially the first track, which I'm pretty sure is I like the party, but I think I said I like the potty a couple times in it. That might be the case. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But um, in general, mm-hmm. times are tough right now. Okay. Yeah. You look at all the shit that's going on. Sure. Um, you look at the general cultural malaise that we sort of exist in. Not you and I solely. I mean, like the country itself, right? Sure. Nobody seems to be fucking happy. Right. Right. Every everything sucks. You got fucking, you know, media pundits basically commanding people to commit murder suicide with their family and blow their brains out. <laughs> You've got, you know, endless, what, what appears to be endless, blatant, open corruption at every level of government. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, the uh, ecosphere uh, gleefully being trashed, and the best we can, any of us can do is, uh, you know, get on Twitter and say that sucks. Right. Um, you know, you got people being slaughtered by the hundreds of thousands across the country for who the fuck knows what I, knows why. Right. And uh, every day I just wait for the tragedy of tanks rolling into Hong Kong and turning <laughs> those people into fucking pancakes. Right. Right. Because I know it's going to fucking happen. Sure. Right. And I and I and I like live in this general dread of how everything's getting bad. Mm-hmm. But then I hear something like that, and I just want to relax. <laughs> that is true. Right? Yeah. I just want to have a good time. Yep. Shut off the fucking noise. Shut off the bullshit and just let me listen to some good poppy rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I like. I agree entirely. It's. I think it would be easy for our listeners to think that perhaps you and I don't like to have fun. Um, oh, there's nothing I like more than having fun. There's nothing I like more than having fun. It just happens to be that a lot of the things that I think are fun involve hating. Right, exactly. But there's nothing I like more than having fun. Having fun is my only reason for existing. Yeah. It's the only reason I have not put a, the barrel to my head and discharged That's it. That's right. Because I love having a good time. That's right. It's it's what I wake up for. Right. <laughs> so I hope I have a good time today. Right. Um, so if we ever seem bitter, it is because the world around us has made us bitter. Yeah. It's not because we're innately that way, because we're just trying to have a good time. The world around us is a fermentation vat of shit. Right. So it's always refreshing when we get uh, a band like Big Hits to come in and remind me of the most core fundamental component of my personal philosophy, which is let's fucking party. Let's have fun. Let's have a good time. Um, That was a lot of fun. It was rooted in, uh, it was very traditional rock and roll oriented. Mm -hmm. There were, uh, there were dueling leads in there. Right. In general, it was like, um, it was endearingly sloppy. Mm-hmm. It was uh, great for a demo as right. well. You know, that, that sounds like a demo. It sounds like a proper demo, um, like uh, a sketch of ideas that are probably going to come together a little bit tighter on the next on the next release. Right. But is incredibly promising, a ton of fun, something I would love to see live, a tape that I would love to throw in on a uh, sunny summer day and kick back to. Sure. You know? Sure. I, I, expected, uh, I expected it not to suck just because uh, the other band... Well, they were two for two, so... Right, yeah. Hattiesburg, uh, both of the bands we've had on from Hattiesburg, Judy and the Jerks and and Pleather, coming out of the same crew, both fucking great. So it would have been uh, very shocking if this had just absolutely sucked. 
and it didn't. It was a ton of fun. Uh, I'm stoked to listen to the rest of the songs off of this and uh, and hear what they do next. Uh, I was so actually you missed. I talked about our friend Jeremy Jones. He uh, just randomly showed up to a uh, a show at my house on Thursday. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was in town for a wedding, I guess. Um, our friend Matt's wedding on Saturday. Well, today that the day that we're recording it. Um, and uh, I didn't realize it, but he just walked up to me outside of my house. Our friend Jeremy lives down in New Orleans now, but he's an Indiana native. And, uh, and he was talking to me about that Hattiesburg scene and talking about going to a lot of shows there and just how everybody in that scene is fucking awesome and always yeah. starting cool new bands, and this is evidence of that. Cool. Let's uh, roll the dice and see what's up next. All right. Shout out to Hattiesburg. Three. All right, three is Bruised, which is fittingly a recommendation from Jeremy Jones. Uh, so the link for this is chicagoresearch.info. What's the name of the band? Bruised. Um, and this is, oh, I think that this is, and this is the record label uh, website. This is on the label Chicago Research. What's the name of the release? It is Rotten Codex. This looks like the sixth release on Chicago Research. Um, looks like it was released on vinyl and cassette, which I love to see. Looks like an LP as well. Um, I've not heard this band, but again, if Jeremy's recommending it, it's probably good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen it. I've actually heard a few things that are on this label. On so. this label? Mm-hmm. Okay. What else is on this? One release that I've been checking out on YouTube that's uh, it's just like five-song EP, uh, Club Music Volume 1. Okay. Um, I It's, uh, yeah, so... There's a few things on here that I've seen out and about that, uh, you know, cool. I've checked out, but I've not listened to this. All right. So we have an entire LP to choose from, which is actually kind of rare for this show. We don't have a whole lot of LPs sent into us. We had a lot of demos and seven inches and stuff. So um, I would kind of like to listen to a couple songs off of it just to get like a good sampling of it. Okay. Um, so uh, the first track is significantly shorter than the rest. So I'm guessing it's not necessarily representative of the rest. Sure. Um, Why don't we do the second track and Mm -hmm. then the title track? Okay, sounds good. So we're going to listen to Body Double and Rotten Codex off of the release of the same name by Bruised.
All right, so initially we were going to listen to the songs Body Double and then the uh, title track, Rotten Codex, but Rotten Codex ended up being sort of just a soundscape track. So instead we listened to the songs Body Double and Throbbing Palm by the band Bruised from Chicago. Nate, what'd you think of that? I like that. Yeah, so uh, I was, I'm, there's a lot of stuff like that that I'm really into right now. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, sonically they're in the same, to me, the same like uh, of a couple new bands that they're in the same sort of like lane with would be like Diot. Sure. Yep. And even like Constant Mongrel. Yep. Um, and there's there's a, I mean, both of those are Australian bands, mm-hmm. but there's a good number of bands that are coming with this this sound that mm-hmm. it's it's it harkens back to like like first wave post punk, mm-hmm. but it still sounds super fresh. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This is this was kind of reminiscent of like um, Institute to me yep. as well. Yep. Who's one of one of the top one of the top tier bands doing that stuff and has has been for the last several years now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I was going to make the same comparisons, like Diot comes to mind. Um, so, like a few things that we've um, talked about on the show that are having a resurgence, whether it be sort of 90s moshy metalcore or more traditional U.S. hardcore stuff or DB kind of stuff, post-punk is experiencing uh, a really lush sort of revival right now. And the upside to that is that there's a ton of great music. The downside is that if you're a band that's wanting to do that now, whereas maybe 10 years ago, you could do it, you could be middling. Yeah. And I would still probably fuck with you more heavily just because you were one of 10 bands doing it. The bar is raised. The bar is super raised now. Um, To me, this wasn't quite approaching the upper echelon of some of the better bands that are out right now, but it was still quite good. Um, I would still 100% watch this band. I would totally pick up a tape. Um, I would like to see what they do next. I would like to listen to the rest of this LP. I'd prob- I I would drive to Chicago to see this band if there was like another kicker on the show. Totally, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I think this stuff is I think this stuff is really cool. It's um like Institute did drop a new LP this year and uh it's, am- it's frank- really it's frankly good. amazing. Yeah, so so the like like we said the bar is very very high. I mean, the Constant Mongrel and the Diod LPs that came out this year too. Yeah, Living in Excellence and um, did con- did that did Living in Excellence come out this year or last? Late, year? maybe late last La- year. I think maybe late last. But anyway, year. The, the last yeah. one that that's a fucking awesome record. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing with that Diod LP. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It was like early this year, maybe late last year. Certainly within the past year. Sure. Uh, what is it? Uh, positive disintegration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck. And uh, and that Power Plant record that came yep. out. Um, People in the Sun, that record's amazing in the same world as this. Yeah, it it seems like almost every week, if you log on to the right YouTube channel, there's a new release in this lane, and many of them are very, very good. So me saying that this maybe isn't necessarily the upper echelon of this stuff isn't actually a diss on this band whatsoever. It's more just commentary and observation on how good that scene has gotten. Because again, 10 years ago this would have been the best post-punk band probably playing in the country, easily. Uh, or at least in the upper tier, the top ten. And uh, there are just so many fucking good bands. Uh, and a lot of a lot of bands coming out of Australia, um, like Concert Mongrels from Australia. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on down there. But, uh, yeah, the stuff was cool. This is like, uh, like we've discussed time and time again. It's a formula that is so tried and true that if you have the power to execute it well... I'm going to fuck with it. Yeah. You know, and and also if you had told 14-year-old me who was getting into early Joy Division and pre-Joy Division like Warsaw 
and bands like The Fall and bands like Crisis that when I was 30, I would be able to go see bands that sounded like that, I would not have believed you. And uh, now I can drive three hours and, and hear bands that sound like this, and it's pretty right. fucking sick. I'm, I'm, I, for one, am very stoked on this, uh, this present renewed interest in this kind of stuff. But yeah, this is really cool. Shout out to Bruce, because I like this stuff a, a lot. We want to roll the dice, get something else popping. Yeah, what are we down to? We are down to, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six. Yep. Perfect. Five. All right, so number five is Bull Cult. The uh, Bandcamp is bullcult.bandcamp.com. Uh, it's just a self-titled initial release. A guy named Kyle uh, sent this to me. He is, uh, I think on this release, he played guitar and did vocals. But now, as I mentioned up top, a guy named Chris, uh, who also plays in a band called Ghost Key, is playing in this band. Um, full disclosure, I've known Chris for a long time. I've known the guys in Ghost Key for a long time. Real cool dudes. Um, Ghost Key is not my, not my lane. It's kind of uh, it's more like melodic, hardcore, metalcore kind of stuff. Really good at what they do. They excel at it. Just what they do isn't really for me. Um, but I don't get the impression that this is that. Kyle described it as a love letter to uh, 90s Cleveland, which if he's referencing like Urba stuff, sure, that's right in my lane. And if, if he's referencing integrity. Sure, that's also right in my lane. Right. So, so uh, if that's true, if that self-assessment is accurate, I'll be pretty hype on this. Um, let's see, we got six songs on here. 40 Years of Futility, Mission Statement. They're all, well, okay, one is 14 seconds, so we'll say if we got five songs to choose from on here. Um, they're all more or less the same length, um, between one and two minutes long, except for the first song, which is almost three minutes, so I imagine that's like an intro track, so let's, let's not do that one. Um, Dispatches from the bottom of the Ponzi scheme. We could do that one. That's okay. the middle song of the release, to a little over two minutes long. Let's uh, let's do that one. Okay. So we're gonna listen to dispatches from the bottom of the Ponzi scheme by Bull Cult off of their self-titled debut EP. Shut up, punk! Kicking the can. Thinking up with the dab They're talking the death gun While we hold them back Today's lesson Elected have consequences Today's featured Story is Today's lesson Elected have consequences Today's featured Story is The senior hopes in Property tax Deception Starting university, forcing up tuition Public pension, fighting early, retirement Constitutional, guaranteed copies, living in government Today's lesson, elected, have consequences Today's featured story, yes Today's lesson, elected, have consequences Today's featured story,
without fire. All right, we just heard the songs Dispatches from the Bottom of the Ponzi Scheme and Barrier Id by Bull Call off of their debut self-titled EP. Nate, what'd you think of that stuff? That was definitely the rowdier, more punk rock side of Cleveland. Uh-huh. That was the Urba side of Cleveland. Right. Uh, that checked a lot of boxes for me. Same. Pretty ripping songs. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun, good tempo. They didn't overstay their welcome. Yep. And, uh, you know, you can tell by reading the lyrics that these dudes pay attention to the fucking news. Right. You know, so pretty, pretty smart lyrics. In fact, the second song was basically exactly what you and I were talking about last week with, like, tough guy posturing and all that mm-hmm. bullshit. Right. Like, get over it. Exactly. Yeah, the, yeah, this checked a, a lot, pretty much all the same boxes for me. Um, I think maybe we should add a, a brief uh, bit of contextualization for what we mean by Tony Urbacore. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I also do not want to establish a new subgenre. <laughs> yes, no, no, no. So, and it's it's not. It's so Tony Urba is a uh, pretty much a legendary figure in Cleveland, Ohio hardcore. Um, he initially started playing out. Well, he was in the Bagman initially in the in the in the eighties, um, and then he started singing Face Value. Mm-hmm. Awesome early late eighties, early nineties, um, straight edge Cleveland hardcore band, and then he went into went on to just be in basically all of the more sort of rocked out Japanese hardcore influence bands yeah. that came out of Cleveland. He was pretty much involved with H One Hundreds, Gordon Soli, Motherfuckers, Nine, Nine Shocks, Shocks Terror. Yep. Um, most recently, Fuck You, Pay Me. Right. He was more of the same. Still right. great. And he's also a huge wrestling fan. Yep. And that carries over into their live performance a lot. Yeah. And uh, I shoot the shit with Tony a lot on the internet. Still one of the funnier dudes uh, I've ever met. Still fucking loves punk rock and wrestling. Still the same dude by all accounts, you know, as he ever was. By you know, everybody knows him. Right. Uh, the man had a heart attack performing on stage got better and then started another band and so <laughs> i'm not sure how old he is but he's gotta be 50 he's yeah he's, a, he's around 50 so and i mean you wouldn't fucking know it given the way that nope. he fucking rages no I, I mean i played a fest with him like four years ago and uh and he was jumping through tables yeah and this was post his heart attack right you know so uh the the man is a legend for very good reason and this was definitely pulling from uh a lot of the bands that existed in in his general circle yeah and bull call we're not trying to turn into a let's fucking suck tony Herba's balls session <laughs> right, 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 um, right. we'll just provide some context you guys fucking ripped yeah i like that yeah it was really good um the self-description was indeed accurate um you were this this sounded like a 90s cleveland band and i'm not mad at that at all because there aren't really a lot of bands that are referencing that no i mean it's just not something that you hear talked about that much it's kind of it's it's definitely not forgotten about because right. there it, there's a, a cult following that I think will listen to those records and love those records forever, um, but for whatever reason it just uh, they haven't been passed down to the next generation in the way that I would expect. I don't right. I don't hear young kids like caping up for fucking Gordon Soli and shit, and it, it's weird just because like again th- that's a band that evokes. Um, the spirit of youth in sort of every way, you know, with the stage antics, shows were fucking wild, trash cans getting thrown. Yeah, like Cleveland in particular has a certain reputation. Right. And I've seen plenty of like, you know, like Nine Shocks and like, I've seen plenty of shows. Like I've gone to see Nine Shocks about like 12 times. Mm-hmm. I think I've actually seen them like six because they only ever showed up to like six <laughs> or seven of those shows. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you could almost always guarantee total fucking bedlam. At least one naked dude rubbing his hot dog body all over you. <laughs> right. And, you know, shit just fucking flying. And yeah. insults being thrown between the band 
in themselves, in the crowd, and the crowd in the band. Right. I will say the last time I saw Nine Shocks was at Blood Pressure's last show last year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, right. And um, they were good, mm-hmm. but people were there to see fucking Blood Pressure. Sure. Which, for good reason, because that band was fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to hear this era and this uh, of, uh, of 90s Cleveland hardcore referenced. I hope that some younger kids get into it and, and start some more bands like this, because... Uh, it's a formula. It's, again, it's hard to fuck up. Rip yeah. in fast, hardcore, smart, uh, sardonic lyrics. I'm and, into it. Yeah, and, and but if you're going to play it, bring it fucking live and be real about it. Right, that's the other thing. Like, I w- stick it to the fucking crowd. 100%. I, I, so, I would love to see this live, and it needs to, it needs to keep that same energy. Yeah, you can't. You can't do this while not going apeshit on stage because if you do, it does not translate over at sure. all. Half of it is the fucking, the performative aspect of it. Totally. To the point where like sounding good live is secondary to going off live. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. if you can do both, great. But I would rather you play half a set sloppily and throw your guitar into somebody's head. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I uh, I hope that I hope that this that this uh, fulfills the promise of the of the sound live. I would very much like to see it. And if you didn't have plans to do that before, Kyle, you know, take our advice under advisement. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Um do you want to do one more? I think we got time for one more band. Okay. All right. So one. the last one that we're gonna do tonight is just like heaven. Um, it, uh, the band camp is just xheaven.bandcamp.com. Um, I imagine there are probably several bands with this name. They're from Birmingham. Like I said, at the beginning of the episode, and they got a lot to live up to with the name. You named yourself after a song by one of the, arguably one of the greatest bands of all time, The Cure. So, you know, you better be good. looks like, uh, Cam White and Cam Smith are the, uh, masterminds behind this project. A couple of Cams. Um, what are the odds? What are the odds, right? Yeah, it looks like there's just one song on here. It yeah. was released, uh, what's the release date? October 4th. So I'm assuming this is the debut track by this band. Let's just uh, dive right into it. It's called Fluorescent Night. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, holler back at you in three and a half minutes and let you know what we think.
Okay, we just heard the song Fluorescent Night, which is the debut track by the band Just Like Heaven from Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. So I think we were talking about it. Both of us kind of agreed that, like, musically I like this, but something about this was a little off. Mm-hmm. You said, like, the vocals too far up front. Yeah. Too sing-songy. And I think that I said that, like, when I listen to this, this is tenuously clinging to the punk-adjacent sort of lane. Right. There's not much difference between this and, like, Oasis or Third Eye Blind to me. Mm -hmm. And I do not consider either one of those bands punk. Nor would I think they would consider themselves punk bands. Right. They might have roots there, sure, Mm -hmm. but they are not punk bands. Right. Right. And so... I guess it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's nothing that I would listen to yeah. and buy. I, here's why I'd listen to this. And I don't know if I've talked about my my stint where I uh, fell in love with uh, All Star by Smash Mouth. <laughs> in, uh, have I ever told you about this? <laughs> no. Right? No, you have not. So in uh, 1999, uh-huh. I was working in West Virginia. Okay. And uh, I was working on a research project um, in the middle of fucking nowhere, West Virginia. Uh-huh. Right? I lived in a cabin, and we're talking, I'm, I'm like, in Pocahontas County, West Virginia, I'm like seven miles from the Virginia border. I'm in extreme southeast West Virginia. There's fucking nothing, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Very underrated as far as, like, scenery and just, you know, where you want to go if you want to see some beautiful shit. Right. Just don't look at the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That goes without saying. And I lived about 40 miles away from the nearest town. It was a town called White Sulphur Springs. Mm-hmm. And... uh I live about 40 miles away. White Sulphur Springs is known because they have like a five-star resort that like there that they call the Greenbrier Inn that, you know, hosts like a lot of like high-level, like, you know, high-level events, like presidential governmental events, things like that. Like sure. it's a high-level fucking resort, mm-hmm. right? The town itself is a hellhole. Right. I remember in 1999, there was a club right on the main street of White Sulphur Springs called the Black Bear Inn that plainly on the front... Uh, proclaimed in giant black letters that they did not want um, people with certain skin tones going. That's insane. Like, and this was in like 1999. Right. And, and two words. It was just two words, right? Mm-hmm. No. Hmm. That's insane. Right? That's in fucking Big weird. fucking letters. That's wild. So that was White Software Springs in 1999. Jesus Christ. I had a DNR truck that I'm driving around. I'm living in a cabin full of mice, mm-hmm. right? I'm loving every... It's it's like the best. I'm loving every section, every bit of it, right? Yeah. Um, except the mice. The mice sucked. Sure. Um, there was a tape deck in the DNR truck that I had. It didn't work. And so my radio... There was about five radio stations that I could get where I was living. Um, four of them were either country or Christian. Mm-hmm. And I... Nope. Right. You'll never get me to fucking listen to country music. If fucking Hank Williams is on... That's fine, but I'd be just as happy if that motherfucker never existed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Couldn't, couldn't fucking care less about Americana and Roots. Fair enough. Fuck off, America. <laughs> right? Okay. So my only other option was a fifth channel, a fifth station, which was a pop station, mm-hmm. which played things like Vertical Horizon. Right. Britney Spears was popping off in 1999 with her uh, debut. Yeah. So was Christina Aguilera with Genie in a Bottle. Yeah. And Smash Mouth had All Star. Mm-hmm. So as I drive around in near silence all day, scanning between five channels, just hoping for something, every once in a while, I'd land on Smash Mouth All-Star, and I'd fucking crank it. <laughs> or I'd land on Vertical Horizon, right? Uh-huh. Or I'd land on Bare Naked Ladies, and I'd fucking rip it. 
because I, I didn't have anything else. You know what I mean? Like I just hadn't had my records with me, right. and I was living basically alone, fucking out in the middle of nowhere. And so, uh, Smash Mouth would fucking get it going, right? <laughs> now to this day, I even still like I'll hear and I'll think back, ah, 1999. <laughs> but I'm not really into it anymore. I would hope. I would hope not. Right? But I still am. I, I also appreciate that song as a meme. Like, sure, yeah, right. It's a great to, meme. to deconstruct that song as a meme is really funny as well. And so my point is that this stuff falls right in line. If that stuff came on the radio of my DNR truck in 1999, it'd be the best fucking song I heard all summer. <laughs> but as it is right now, it ain't. Fair enough. That dude, oh man, imagining you driving around at the fucking boonies just cranking all stuff. Imagine how like how fucking bad it must have been, like how badly I was jonesing for anything. Right. Like I would frequently drive like the six hours back to Pittsburgh just to hang out for one day. Sure. And like do something. Right. I got to see Emperor that summer. That was pretty fucking dope that's on the dope. on the nine equilibrium tour. Yeah, that, that was fucking dope. And that was sick. a dope show, but that's another story. Right. But um yeah, man, when all you got is fucking muddy feet hillbillies and fucking racist townsfolk and Christian music to listen to, I guess Smash Mouth All-Star will give it to you every time. <laughs> I guess so. So uh, <clears throat> so I thought musically this was this was really good, super competent, um, high-end production. They went in for a debut track. That's, uh, that's a big dick move. Good on you for actually, like, spending some money and doing yeah, for it. for real. You know, that's cool. Yep. A lot of bands half-ass shit. Um, you, I don't think you can half-ass that. No, not and really. it comes across. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of with uh, I'm with Nate on the vocals. Um, a little sing songy, a little soaring. Um, when I hear stuff like this, that's sort of uh, shoegaze adjacent. I like to hear the vocals kind of buried in the mix, treated as like another instrument mm -hmm. more than something that's yeah. sitting on top of the mix. I didn't hate this at all. Um, I think a lot of Nate's analysis was essentially spot on. This is kind of like. Yeah, this is kind of late 90s uh, alt-radio rock with the, uh, the shoegaze Instagram filter put over it. There's uh, a lot more chorus and reverb than you would hear on a song that you might hear on uh, rock radio in 1999, but the melodies are all sort of still there. That said, like I said, uh, I thought this was incredibly well executed. I thought the music was really good. My only real gripe was with the vocals. I'd be interested to hear what you guys did next for sure. You know, stuff like this, I mean, not, I'm not, this isn't exactly like hum because hum is a little bit heavier and more mm -hmm. riff oriented, but in general, I like, uh, guitar, heavy guitar rock that's with twinkly elements. Yeah. I like a lot of stuff that's adjacent to it. Like, a, yeah, sure. it's just a little off. It's just, yeah, it's just a little off for me. So it didn't quite catch me. That said, um, I think this probably applies for Nate and I both. Um, I think that's just a matter of taste because... As far as just speaking about this song objectively... You can't complain. Incredibly good. I'm not shit-canning it. No. Incredibly good. And uh, maybe you catch me in a different day and I might feel a different way. Sure. This is real on the fence. Yeah, I feel that. So yeah, I mean, like I said, not necessarily speaking to me a lot, but super well done. Not mad at it at all. Uh, I could see a lot of kids fucking with that very heavily. So props. That's a fucking... That's a strong debut. Um, on that, let's... Uh, Let's turn to the voicemail. Okay. So we just got we just got a voicemail that came in from a friend of ours that I, I can tell by the phone number. I th I'm pretty sure that it's Josh that called in maybe. Oh, he probably wants us to come hang out for spooky stuff. I think that's what I think that's what it is. Yeah. 
Um, so let's see. We have actually kind of a handful of messages. You said here. that Zaster called. It, you, the, the malefic, malefic from Zaster called. The, the tr- that's what the transcription says. Yes. Okay. Um, so first were we th- talking about? Yeah, we were. I wasn't sure if it was on this or in the um, Patreon episode, but we were talking about how shitty Zaster is on this on this show. Well, see, and I like Zaster's music, all right, but I we don't. were but we were talking about how like our, our friend Dave Britt said, like you don't write nine albums about killing yourself, you you just do it. Right. Um, so yeah, we're gonna listen to this message uh, from from Zaster. This is Zaster, and I just finished the most recent episode of Zidalism, and I I just want you guys to know it's really fucking hard being this sad and writing all of these albums, but you don't. You don't understand that. You just think I should fucking kill myself. Well, guess what, mister? You just bought yourself another ten years of the darkest, depressing, suicidal black metal, the cold death kill Okay. <laughs> so that uh, it sounded like that was... Zaster was uh, very distressed. We really hurt Scott Connor's feelings. We really hurt Scott's feelings, and he promised... Uh, he promised to uh, to deliver on. A, we just guaranteed ourselves ten more years. Ten of the, more years of the saddest, suicidal, depressive black metal. So, right, looks like our our beseechings, uh, Scott, to take his own life, only yielded us the opposite result. Well, you know what? Hmm. Good, because <laughs> I never want to wish a harm on anyone except. Fucking Ben Shapiro. Except for Ben Shapiro, exactly. I never want to w- wish harm on anybody. Even though if I lived next to Scott Connor, I would endlessly make fun of him <laughs> um, and laugh at him. Right. I'd come out, like, you know, and mow my lawn. Howdy, neighbor! And just, like, you know, <laughs> be really fucking hokey all the time with him. Yeah. You know, invite him over for barbecues that he'd never attend. Yeah, like I'd be a full-on net And if flamers. he did, I'd, like, give him noogies or something. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Dude, that's the best way to, like, that's the best way to just terrorize that oh yeah totally treat him like oh there's old scott connor you know (laughs) hey my son was listening to one of your records chum you're super sad (laughs) and uh you know but like if i give him the fucking business if if i live next to him but i don't want scott connor to hurt himself no i mean so as long as you're still writing records scott we know you're still alive so good yeah good for you let's uh let's see what's up next in the uh in the voicemails Hey, what's up? Uh, it's me again. Still haven't listened. Still bad even sure to death my call. Uh, yeah, just calling in. I'm uh, wondering, you guys got any book recommendations? Uh, right now I'm reading some H.P. Lovecraft and never really dived into that stuff and decided that now is the perfect time to do that. Uh, so yeah, if you got any recommendations, uh, let the world know. I'll eventually listen eventually uh oh yeah i also wanted to ask do you think hardcore kids read like is that a thing anymore i guess people in general do people in general read uh yeah thanks for taking my call and uh have a great day so i i really love this bit of not listening to the show but having called into it twice now right and he's looking for book recommendations yeah that he won't hear because he doesn't listen to the show right i think that's a great bit i i at this point i hope he never listens to the show and right. just keeps it up he never knows if we that's yo that's a commitment to the bit on the level of like he doesn't even know if we are 
responding to his phone calls. Right. I really appreciate that. So right, right, right. Shout out to that. Um, book recommendations. Um, Nate, you got anything off the top of your head? Uh, so depends what you're looking for. He sure. said he's reading Lovecraft. He is, yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with that. No. As long as you like racist bullshit. <laughs> Uh, it's still very good, but yes. It's racist as shit. H.P. Lovecraft was hella racist. Fuck that guy. <laughs> You're trying to cancel Lovecraft? I'm trying to cancel Lovecraft. I don't I don't think I'm the first one on this fucking bandwagon. He was a fucking bigot. Fuck him. Uh, but, uh, you know, Lovecraft's always dope, uh, so check that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I don't know. Like, what, what, what do you want to hear? I mean, if you want to be disappointed... You can reach. The, you can read the first two novels uh, by Patrick Rothfuss, uh, "The Name of the Wind" and "A Wise Man's uh, Anger" or "A Wise Man's Fear" mm-hmm. or some a quiet some shit like that. I don't know because he'll never finish the, the third book. So who gives a shit? So if you really want to be left hanging, read those two books because they're really good, and then understand that you'll never get the last book. Mm-hmm. I've been. I read a lot of fantasy stuff. Yeah, you could read. Uh, Priest and Thief, the first two books of the Ratcatcher series by Matthew Colville, when it's sort of independently published. Yeah, yeah, he's but, a, a famous uh, du- internet dungeon master. Yeah, yeah, and so those are both really good. I think that Thief is a lot better than Priest. It's a lot more of a, you can tell that he's growing into his writing. Mm-hmm. I have literally hundreds of books on, in you know, conservation and nature and things like that probably more than hundreds mm-hmm. um so take your pick if you're just getting started check out santa county almanac by aldo leopold um that's always a good read it's the time of year where you just want to sit down and read a book like that too because it's a nice cozy easy like late mid to late fall read mm-hmm. so uh i don't know pick your poison what what, what what are you into uh sapiens uh brief history of humankind pretty dope i'm about like two-thirds of the way through that uh, I kind of get burned out on nonfiction sometimes because it always reinforces to me how goddamn awful the world is, and then I have to like retreat for a year into uh, pure fantasy and fiction and get and get away from it. I do and then I read that. nonfiction for like another three months, and then uh, I want to fucking slit my goddamn throat. <laughs> um, and then uh, I got to go read some more fantasy again. Right. Um, so you know. Take your pick. I'm reading a book uh, called Spineless, which is about jellyfish, which is way more interesting than you would think. Cool. Um, I uh, I always recommend Murakami. Um, yeah, probably, can't go wrong with that. Probably my favorite contemporary fiction writer. Yeah, actually, they're not all great, but like... Um, uh, Kafka on the Shore is one that really I would, would yeah. always recommend. There's a couple that I, Murakami that I actually kind of put down. Um. I haven't really. I like. I really like uh, Wind Up Bird Chronicles. Uh, Murakami is great. Um, very Japanese in the sense that it's not a. Tr- the, he, he does not explore traditional Western narrative structures. There's a lot of blurred lines between the fantastical and the real. It's never necessarily explicitly stated what is real and what isn't. Yeah. What are projections of the narrator or the protagonist? Um, just generally awesome fantastical absurdist contemporary fiction and if you really want to act like feel like you have no idea what the fuck is going on Mm -hmm. read a couple of his books sure um kind of in this not really in the same vein but in the same sense insofar as uh just it deals with absurdism uh fantastical elements set in a real world setting um, I'm reading Vineland by Thomas Pynchon, most uh, widely known as the writer of Gravity's Rainbow. Vineland is not uh, not heralded as one of his better works, kind of overlooked, but I enjoy it a lot. 
yeah, I, I'm, you know, Nate recommended a bunch of books. There's a, you know, you can pick anything from Murakami's catalog. You'll probably enjoy it somewhat. Um, that's, that's plenty of book recommendations. As far as the question, do hardcore kids read? I think by and large, uh, hardcore kids have never read that much. I yeah. think you have like sort of the, you have the thinking, the thinking man's hardcore kid that reads. There's always, you know, you always have your Ian McKay's or, uh, your Jake Bannons or whoever who pride themselves on, uh, on, uh, or your Pat Flynn's or whoever, you know, take your pick. There's plenty of, uh intellectual figureheads within the context of the punk and hardcore community but i don't think that broadly speaking it's the most popular pastime of a bunch of people who like to fucking front flip onto each other yeah i'm gonna guess that uh, i don't know of any stigma Mm -hmm. but i'm guessing he doesn't do a lot of reading probably not you know nothing wrong with that sure people got other interests man i don't know ian mckay but i'm guessing he does a bit more right sure as far as people in general I don't know, man. I try to know as little about people in general as possible, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, the more I know about them, the more I hate them. So I hope that they're reading, but I also hope that I don't get to know the general populace well enough to ever find out if they're reading, because uh, I want their world as far away from mine as humanly possible. Let's listen to the next call. All right. Yeah, what's up, Demo Listen? My name's Ben Whitlinger. Uh, you did a review on my band Time Spiral a couple episodes ago. Uh, Gray, you said during the review... Luna is a good guy. Rob Luna is a guy that you like. Stop fucking lying on the airways, dude. Rob Luna fucking looks like a little kid, dresses like a little kid, eats like a little kid, and he's a fucking good-for-nothing e-boy. He thinks that Alpha and Omega is the best Chromags record. He told me the Gorilla Biscuits are gay. Fuck him. If you have anything positive to say about Rob Luna, you can come to my house, 111 West Warnemont Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and say it to my fucking face. But keep in mind, Gray, I got nothing to lose. Rob, if you can hear this and we're at work together, why don't you leave your little press behind and come over to finishing? I'm going to show your ass what's up. And Lenny, if you can hear this, fuck you too. No real reason. <laughs> now that's what I like to hear. <laughs> that's that's the type of energy that we want to invite. We're, I, I, we're establishing a bit of a fucking put-down network. He's not only hitting you, mm-hmm. he's reaching out to other people. Right. Right? Yeah. And uh, based on his description, I would say that guy is a fucking bitch boy. <laughs> well, you know Rob Luna, so you can make that assessment yourself. We were on uh, tour with him. Yeah, I'm just saying that uh, I didn't know that side of him, so fuck that guy. <laughs> so, uh, you thinking thinking that Alpha and Omega is the best Chromax record is indeed a bonkers opinion. It <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking absurd. <laughs> The Chromags have one record that is great start to finish. Then they've got one record that has a bunch of really good riffs and framed within songs that are way too long. And uh, that's about it. As far as thinking that, uh, you know, characterizing Start Today by Gorilla Biscuits as, uh, quote, gay. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's kind of a classic hardcore record. It's really good. And Rob, I know for a fact you actively listen to Corn and shit, so I can't really, uh, I can't really argue with Ben on some of his accusations, man. I did, I did claim to like you on air, as Ben pointed out, and uh, the way that he framed all this shit makes me start to think maybe I don't fucking like you one bit either. Uh, ben had some compelling arguments. He there. did have some compelling <laughs> arguments. I'd like to hear a rebuttal. I'd like to hear a rebuttal too. So Rob, if you've got, if you got it in you. 
Call in. You got the number. Defend yourself. Convince me that I'm wrong. Convince Ben that he's wrong. And um, Lenny, you and gonna Lenny. take that fucking shit? Yeah, Lenny, you gotta fucking take that, man. Like, yo, you need to call in. I I expect on the next episode, if any of the participants uh, in this discussion have any dignity whatsoever, they will call in and they will defend themselves on air. Otherwise, you've proven yourself to be uh, what can we say? A bitch. A bitch. <laughs> Let's uh, let's listen to another voicemail. I think we got like two more. Okay. I didn't know that this was a real hotline. I thought you were just putting people on on the internet. But I did call to talk to you, Greg Gordon. And I don't know your friend Nate too good, but if he's your friend, I'm sure he's a piece of shit too. Um, <clears throat> this is from the 412. This is from Pittsburgh. I am calling here. Um, I am calling your hotline from there. And I just um, I just wanted to call and say that I love you so much, and I hope that your podcast goes well tonight. Um, I think your mustache is looking good. Um, I heard that you were diagnosed with some terrible disease, and I just want to tell you that I love you, and I hope that you make it. Um, Spina bifida is a motherfucker. Um, I've heard horrible things happen. You know, they're really, really great people, and um, you know, you're one of those really great ones, Gray. And I hope that I hope that you're gonna you're gonna make this one through. I know that you will. Um, you have a you have a great support system and a can-do attitude, and your friend Nate seems like a real positive person. So. I'm sure he's really going to just encourage you all the way through it. Um, <clears throat> I love you so very much, and um, you can call me back on my cell if you want to. You know what it is. All right, so that was my friend Derek Sinetti of uh, of the Homeless Gospel Choir from Pittsburgh. Really, that embodied a lot of what I love about Derek, um, is it was simultaneously shitty, but also earnest and sincere. He characterized me as being recently diagnosed with spina bifida. <laughs> which is not actually true. I am in the process of getting uh, something diagnosed that doctors think might be MS, which is not spina bifida at all. Nate, he threw a little shade on you, which I always appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate that. I don't know, Derek, but uh, I, I, liked, I like the attitude coming off. I think maybe you met him at a house show at Mike's old house, possibly. Awesome dude. Um, if you have met him, it was, it was pretty much in passing. It was for maybe an evening. Yeah. Awesome guy. So, yeah, uh, Derek, I appreciate your compliment about my mustache. I pre- appreciate your well-wishing. Um, yeah, I'm sure, uh, sure I, Nate is indeed a, a paragon of positivity. I generally am in my own way. Yeah, that's, that's actually true. I'll tell you, if I am feeling rough, I'll usually call Nate because he'll just be like, yeah, well, fuck it, life sucks, let's go play pinball, which yeah. is honestly <laughs> the, the best way to deal with most issues. Yeah, you're fucking sitting around crying about shit never solved nothing. No, nah, not a goddamn thing, so... Yeah, love you too, Derek. Thanks for calling in. Uh, we got uh, we got one more uh, one more message, and I'm pretty sure it's from our friend Josh, who is uh, beseeching us to come join him at our friend Brandon's house right now. So let's see if that is the case. Hi, right, so you just call and leave a message. You just say whatever you want to. I don't really care to say anything to this guy. That was Brandon. Come on, come on over, guys. We're having uh, guacamole, a Halloween tradition. <laughs> See you soon. Bye. So, so that was indeed our friend Josh, and he tried to get Brandon to speak on the air, and uh, Brandon didn't want to. He didn't care to speak to us. No, he didn't. So we are supposed to go over there. Let's go over and eat some guacamole. Let's eat some guacamole and and partake in our Halloween tradition. I didn't know that eating guacamole was our Halloween tradition. It's pretty much always present. Let's uh, let's stop by Fresh Time before we go over there, though. Hey, is this a product placement for Fresh Time? Hey, if you want to get good food at Sort of expensive prices. Go to Fresh Time. It's pretty cool. Basically, basically, if there's not a Whole Foods nearby, 
Go to Fresh Time. Go to Fresh Time, and you'll pay just a little bit less money, but probably more than if you went somewhere else. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, on that, I think we'll uh, I think we'll wrap it up. If uh, if you can hear the sound of my voice right now, I beseech you uh, to subscribe, rate, review. It helps us in some way. I'm not really sure how because this is just a thing that we do for fun. So when I say it helps us, it doesn't help us so much. It just helps the podcast. I'm not sure what the material pragmatic effect of that is but you know it's cool I, I don't know i mean the rating system everything is a rating system now and, and right. what the hell does it do nothing really it, it's all ephemera right. this will be forgotten in 40 years or less when we're fucking dead and buried yeah um so you know if you feel compelled cool if you don't also cool if you want to give us money which is even more baffling than giving us a rating or a review but even more invited um, you can just go to demolistenpodcast.patreon.com, uh, or is it patreon.com slash demolisten? That's what it is. Patreon.com slash demolisten. I think we have a couple new Patreons as well. Oh, we do have a couple new patrons, yes. Uh, so I'll read them out here in just a second. And then if you want to submit music, you can uh, email us at demolistenpodcast at gmail.com. And if you would uh, like to indulge your tiny little ego and get your little baby dick rock hard, you want to hear your voice on the air, you want to be in the limelight because you can't just start your own podcast you got to call our hotline take a little bit of our shine away you can do that too you can just call us at 260-222-8341 all comers are welcome you know yeah you want to call and talk some shit we'll talk some fucking shit we'll talk some shit um beyond that let's uh let's just read out uh the names of the uh the new patrons yeah our new gracious donors we'll call it a day after that so we have got Brian Cole, of course, heir to the Coles dynasty. Oh, it's uh, K O L E K H O L K O K O H L K O H L. So, <clears throat> Brian, we appreciate the shit out of your um, contribution. That said, I feel if you're like the heir to the Cole yeah. dynasty, you can throw us a little more cheese. You can throw us a little bit more than five bucks a month. So let's cough that up. Um, shit, I can save that much if I go to fucking Coles. Yeah, no shit. Um, then we have got uh, Joe Plonky, kid from Michigan, rad guy. I know him on the internet, so, you know, rad guy on the internet. Who knows in real life? He could be a fiend, but <laughs> he's given us five bucks. <laughs> a devilish bucks. fiend. <laughs> but he's given us five bucks. And well, let's he seems hope like that nice money guy. is not ill-begotten <laughs> from some fiendish manner. <laughs> Indeed. And then uh, last up, we've got what is certainly a fake name. I see the real name on here, but I won't call you out. And it is uh, Fellatio del Toro. Okay. Which is really, really good. I, I'm sure I, a, a, a play on Benicio del Toro. I don't think it is. Oh, you don't think it is? I you think, think that's a real is. name? I think it's it's probably a play on like Felicity Huffman or something. <laughs> yeah, you think so? Yeah. You think Fellatio del Toro is a play I think they're on going Felicity. for the Felicity part first. I think the del Toro is fake. What's uh what's the name of that uh the director like Pacific Rim and Pan's Labyrinth and stuff? Did he do Pacific Rim? Yeah, yeah, he did the same one. Guillermo Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. That's what it is. I I've had a, a long standing uh a gay porn director named uh oh, what fuck what is it? Ah, fuck, I can't remember I can't remember my name now. It was I think it was uh Guillermo Gay Homo. And uh, with uh, directing such classic films as Pacific Rim Job, Rim Job and Pansexual Labyrinth, uh, uh, if, if you're into queer adult filmmakers, 
you should really check out his filmography. It's and good stuff. Guillermo del Toro, if you're listening, mm-hmm. please find somebody to produce your your Mountains of Madness yes. film. Because yes. I've seen some of the sketches. Oh my God, it's my favorite Lovecraft story. You would be perfect for it. So please, Guillermo, find the funding for it and get it done. Yes, please do. <laughs> On that note, friends, we'll see you next time. Yeah, I just remembered. It was actually Guillermo Gay Homo. <laughs> okay. Signing out. Okay.